With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Once again, to the Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut. And I am your host, Sean Patrick Bowley. And with me here for the midpoint of the 2021 season is Pete Guaga. Peter, how are you? Good, good, good. I can't believe we're halfway there. And I can't believe we actually made it this far completely, uh, considering the fact that... Uh, you know, it was looking a little gloom and doom there with a lot of the COVID-19 postponements. COVID still having some effect on our season uh, as evidenced by Norwalk losing their guys, a bunch of guys, including Coach Pat Miller, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, still giving New Canaan a nice little run there. But at the top of the show, you heard a little bit from the scene at St. Joseph where the Hogs, number two, Hang on, defeat Greenwich in a game that, you know, both of us were actually kind of surprised at. I saw Greenwich play Fairfield Prep a couple weeks ago, and they didn't look great. But uh, Greenwich showed up. Greenwich knowing that what was on the line, and you know, they got Chase and Barber involved and, you know, almost pulled that game out in front of a nice crowd on a Saturday afternoon. Pete, you were there. You know, what can you tell us about what happened there? This was a different Greenwich team than I think we've seen before. Um, and I think, like you said, they played like they knew their season might've been on the line. Is it officially over? No. I mean, two losses this early, I think they still kind of might control their own destiny, but they left it all out there. There was, uh, you know, there was at one point where I thought Greenwich was going to win the game. You know, they, they came out in the third quarter, St. Joe's went down, scored. And you were like, Okay, here goes St. Joe's ensuing kickoff. Logan Galetta takes it to the house. Then they kick an onside kick. They couple of plays later, Barber's in the end zone wide open for a touchdown. And all of a sudden they went from down, you know, 10 to up four. And you were like, huh, what's St. Joe's going to do about this? 
And, uh, you know, I'm looking it up online. I'm like, when was the last time Dar- uh, yeah, St. Joe's lost the game? I'm trying to calculate the win streak in my head. I was like, we got to get this right. We got to get this right. And then St. Joe's obviously went down, scored uh, to take the lead, made two huge, huge defensive plays with the interception at the end. And then Tyler De Silva with the big sack. But you want to talk crowd, awesome crowd. It was a little fun little note. At the end of the game, when I, I was grabbing uh, Matt Morrissey and the Silva uh, for our coworker Will, because he was interviewing uh, the Greenwich coach Anthony Morello, but I didn't want the kids to leave, so I, I went and grabbed them for him. And uh, I've spoken to Matt before, I haven't spoken to Tyler, so I, I grabbed Matt, I grabbed Tyler, and who's standing next to Tyler? Uh, his older brother, uh, who was on our first team All State a couple of weeks ago. I'd seen Mike Morrissey earlier. Uh, at the game. So I grabbed, I was like, oh, I got a De Silva and a Morrissey. I've definitely done this interview before. <laughs> um, and then as I'm walking away, it was homecoming weekend and they had, uh, they uh, inducted a Hall of Fame class at St. Joe's. And one of the guys who was inducted was on the first St. Joe's team ever and was the first four year letterman of the football team. So he asked Tyler and Matt if he could take a photo with them. So I, I offered. I was like, oh, I'll take the photos like him and his wife. I was like, I'll take the photo like the four of you get get in there. And the guy's telling him about his time playing. He's like, yeah, I drove 18,000 miles to get here today. Like I, I live in Texas. And the look on Matt Morrissey's face was like he like turned to him in the middle of the photo. He's like, wait, what? Really? And like they and the three of them spoke for a little bit. So I thought that was really cool uh, to see that. Uh, but it was funny, you know, another Morrissey, another De Silva coming up big for St. Joe's in the win. Also, side note, uh, New York Yankees manager Aaron Boone was in attendance. Nice. Now, look, I'm not I'm not a, a star person, you know, in my previous jobs, you know, not even in media. Like my first job was working for a place called Last Licks, which was um, an ice cream company that was through Steiner uh, memorabilia. Yeah. So like we used to have athletes come and sign autographs all the time and I got to meet them. And, you know, obviously if you've listened to the show, you know, my first job was Sparky the dragon for the New York Islanders. So I've gotten a lot of famous, famous athletes and people, you know, Mark Messier, like knew my name. That's one of the things that will, I will always, you know, he doesn't know it now, but for a week, met me two days in a row. He remembered my name <laughs> or two days in a week. Um, so I, yeah. I just see this guy. I, I turned to Jeff Jacobs and will Alden, and I'm like, you know, what are the odds that Aaron Boone is here tonight, today? Because the Yankees are out. You know, they're kind of, they've done their end of the year stuff. It's like, I wonder if Aaron, you know, if Aaron Boone's going to be here. Maybe two minutes later, we see this guy walking towards us. And I just look and I go, I think that's him. And Jeff, Jeff goes to me, no way, that's not him. And he goes, Will, what do you think? And Will goes, no. Two seconds later, all kids are over and asking him for selfies and stuff. And I was like, I knew it. And I will tell you this, not because he's Aaron, but watching him celebrate his son's extra points, the successful onside kick, like he was going nuts. It was really cool to see a guy of his magnitude just being a dad. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. That's the greatest part about actually, you know, covering football in Fairfield County is that you, you kind of have a lot of star power down here. Obviously, you know, chasing Barber's little man is, uh, you know, Tiki. Uh, yeah, uh, that's cool. I mean, like back in the day, you know, we saw uh, the Giffords running around going to Cody's game. 
you know, at Greenwich High School or, you know, you know, we have Chris Mad Dog Russo's kid playing for a linebacker, a very good linebacker at New Canaan. It's just kind of cool to see all these like yeah. big names living in Fairfield County. I mean, just, we could go on and on. There are lots of big yeah. names here. But it and was really fun. cool. It was really cool. He was standing by himself. No one bothered him. Uh, you know, none of us like we just were like, oh, look, there's, uh, there's Aaron Boone. But it was just cool to just like yeah. I was just watching his reactions to his son playing. And I thought I, I just thought it was like a, a wholesome moment. I was like, wow, that was really cool. Yeah, it made, it made my heart. It made my heart grow two sizes. You know, certainly the center of the universe is the FCAC right now in, in Fairfield County and in, in, in football. And that's kind of like what we're getting out here. You saw a great game there. St. Joseph though, had blown everybody's doors off coming into this game. You know, granted, a lot of them were, you know, yes, Xavier in there, you know, they beat up on Windsor, and then they get back into, like, the big, you know, big part of their schedule. And it was, you know, it was not not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. And we're going to actually talk to St. Joseph coach, the birthday boy, St. Joseph coach Joe Delavecchia. That's two birthday boys. That was my birthday last, last Friday night. And uh, we'll talk to Joe a little bit about the state of the FCAC and, and his team's great start, which, you know, they, it doesn't get any easier for them. They play Ridgefield, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's coming off a 40 nothing win over Stanford. They're kind of lying in the weeds. Uh, and then, then they get the big one. They get number one, Darian, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, which, <laughs> let's be honest, they get past that Ridgefield game, get your tickets now. That's going to be great. But Ridgefield, not by any stretch of the imagination, you will tell us all. Not going to be any type of a pushover. But meanwhile, over at uh, Darianne, Darianne found itself kind of in a fist fight there with Wilton Pete. Uh, I was kind of shocked. I'm sitting there driving around. I was up, up at Cromwell, Portland, watching them play North Brantford. I'm looking at my phone, and Dave Stewart's updating. And, and Wilton was flying around in that game. Had a, several leads, 36-35 in the fourth quarter. What was going on with Darianne? Maybe they just had a long Friday night and took them a little bit uh, time to wake up. But I mean, uh, I know they didn't win and I know they lost by 21, but a lot of credit has to be given to Wilton there. Oh my God. I mean, to hang tough in that game like that. And like, yes, it was close, but then you were like, all right, like Darianne's going to, you know, take the lead. Like Wilton was up and then Darian took, took, took the lead. And you were like, all right, like Wilton's going to go away. Yep. And no, no, Wilton came back. Darianne. Tied it. Wilton came back. Darian tied it. Wilton came back, and you were like, "Can they hold on for ten and a half minutes?" And no, they can't. Yeah. But really impressive by Wilton there. I mean, you know, Parker Woodring is a really good player in the state that we haven't really spoken about a lot this year. He had he had a touchdown pass uh, reception in the game, and you know they got players at Wilton. I just sometimes you know they need that big win. They need that big. Big win. They got New Canaan coming up. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe they can catch New Canaan, you know, on a short week. The the big the big play I thought that was really kind of definitive of that game is Grant Masterson throwing to Jake Summer. You know, the the little out, the little like screen out to the left side, those races down the sideline. Nobody's tackling him for Darian. If I'm Mike Forger, and I know it just reading his quotes, <laughs> he was as a defensive guy, he was not happy with that. But <laughs> He did praise the offense. I mean, Ty Kaminsky, when they needed to pound that game away and put that game away, Ty Kaminsky was just a 
bowling ball as he's been all season long. And then, uh, you know, the special teams also, uh, Les Brins had a great uh, punt return in that game. You know, Darian's other units stepped up when the defense did not have a good day. And I just talking to Dave Stewart a little bit after that, he just thought that Wilton just kind of got gassed. They just ran out of gas. But EJ Denunzio, a nice job. They went to the playoffs in 2019, as I remember. It got blown, their, their, the doors blown off by St. Joseph. But maybe getting into the playoffs is what the Wil- Wilton needed. It's really nice to have them in this whole mix. Let's take a look at the top 10 ball. We just dropped. And, well, you know, what can you say, Pete? It's it's just FCAC. All It's the all FCAC football poll, basically. It's a who's who. Darian, number one, 16 first place votes, 5-0. St. Joseph, five first place votes. They picked up one, 5-0. New Canaan, which edged Norwalk 17-14, despite the fact that, you know, Norwalk didn't even have a few of our key players and coach Pat Miller. Norwalk gives New Canaan a run, but New Canaan hangs on to win that game. They're 5-0. Ridgefield, number four. Greenwich, number five. They don't drop. Number six, Hall, which had to hang on by its, the hair of its chinny-chin-chin to beat Platt on a blocked field goal, 39-38. They, stay, they drop a spot to number six. Then you have number seven, Fairfield Prep, which... Came back, held off Notre Dame West Haven, 28-22. And then you had number eight, Norwalk, which, again, dropped a couple spots, but not anywhere near the type of, of drop you see when a team loses its first game of the year. Then you have something curious here, Pete. Number nine, Shelton. Now, Shelton got just obliterated by Trumbull just two weeks ago. Going into the bye week, they were they got obliterated. 41-7, come back out and beat a pretty good hand team up Got back to basics. Santiago, who wasn't, he didn't play the Shelton, excuse me, the Trumbull game. He comes back. They take care of hand. You know, it was t- touch and go a little early, but they get back to the ground and pound stuff. Great bounce back effort. They're four and one, but Shelton at nine. Where's Trumbull, Pete? You got Kaylin Lee sitting there at number 10. Uh, Trumbull is number 12. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I have the, the Trumbull, top 10 poll. It's not the top 12 poll. The, uh, the Trumbull, uh, a couple of kids from Trumbull made their way down to St. Joe's on Saturday after their game. It was Owen Solano, uh, Jake Peterson, uh, Hunter Agosti. A couple other guys were, were there. Really, really funny kids. So they called me over at one point in the third quarter, and they're like, Pete, can you explain to us how the top 10 poll works? Because we are – we don't know why we're not in well, the top here, 10. Hold on. Before, before you continue, I'm say, how does anyone not know how the poll works? Do you read the poll? We're Trump. high school kids. I know. But Trumbull, read the poll. Look, it says votes. The votes. Also receiving votes. The following voted. I. It's not just Trumbull. It's a lot of people. But continue. I don't know why they don't know it's the poll. So they were just asking. They're like, you know, I don't understand why we're not in the top 10. You know, we beat Shelton, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, you guys are in my top 10. I, I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> But you guys are in my top 10. I don't know how, how everyone else votes. Um, I go, I don't know if it's the Staples game that they lost week one that are, you know, sticking in people's, you know, mind. Um, I think we're past that. You know, I think we're past that one loss kind of holding teams back. But I don't know why Trumbull's not in the top 10. I also don't know why Newtown's not in the top 10. But, <clears throat> you know, I mean, Newtown's two losses are to Darien and Richfield. Right. They're two of the top four teams in this poll. Like yeah. they're good losses. Like well, if this is March Madness and we were putting together resumes, I, I mean, Newtown's got a pretty good resume. Trumbull has a pretty good resume. I don't know. Yeah. I wish, I, I, wish I had an answer. 
I, I wish I had t- an answer. I have a hard time seeing where Newtown would fit into this top 10, with the exception of if you want to, if you want to take Hall out, which I know you do, Pete. <laughs> I would take Killing. I didn't vote for Killingly either. Right, right. I, I voted for Killing. I throw Killingly at the bottom. I mean, but that being said, you know, do you, I mean, maybe Trumbull and uh, Newtown both belong in here. But what about Windsor? You love Windsor? I hit Windsor is the only CCC team I vote for. Yeah. I have them at 12, 12, 12. So, I mean, I don't know. It, but it, the, the main thing about this whole thing is that just, just the utter dominance. And it's not just the FCX. We're talking about Fairfield County here. Yeah. Fairfield County owns eight of the top 10 spots. I mean, when you throw in Fairfield Prep of the SEC and Shelton. Shelton, remember, is Fairfield County, even though people yeah. think of Valley and they think of New I don't Haven. think Fairfield County wants Shelton, and I don't think Shelton wants to be a well, part depends, of Fairfield depends, County. It depends on where you live in Shelton. <laughs> I think if you live, you know, maybe in the Huntington area, I think you'd prefer. Is that to- by Jones Farms? Yes, I was like at, I went to Jones Farms on Sunday. Hunting is the wealth, you know, the the, the Fairfield County section of yeah. Shelton. Dude, it's where, she- it's where the valley ends in Fairfield County. Became. You should see this pumpkin that, that I had to carry around Jones Farms because you couldn't find one of the things. Gigantic pumpkin. Yeah. Okay. Right. Is that what you did? Uh, is that where you were? That's right. Pete, by That's the way, right. everybody didn't kind of skipped out. Other than the the Greenwich game, you didn't even shoot a game from. He was skipped out on us on Friday night. I shot. I shot forty photos for the for the oh. Greenwich St. Joe's game. Okay. Actually, and my phone was working, so I was able to get tweets out. But no, Friday I was at a wedding. It was great, celebrating love. No. And then Sunday, uh, some family came up, and we went pumpkin. Picking and wine tasting. Yeah, okay. it was very, very bougie. So I wore, I wore, I wore flannel plaid. Yeah, it was very, it was very fall. I was able to go to a game Saturday and go pumpkin selection, you know, and they hit a brewery too. So you know, I was able to do a little <laughs> bit more. But so let me just tell you quickly about the poll and everything. This it's like it's lacrosse season here all of a sudden. Beat. It's ridiculous. You have you know. I think Masterson was a guy who beat New Canaan uh, in the playoff in the in the FCI playoffs last year. You have you know Darian and Fairfield Prep and what's the lacrosse season? My goodness, they're all lacrosse players. It's great. I love to see it. You know, <laughs> it really is. But it's one thing to dominate the top ten of the poll, but. You know, when you look at the grand scheme of the where we are now, what do we play? We play for state championships here. It's a little bit different story. Now, again, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but uh, you know, I, I kind of ran it down in my column in the the uh, in, in in on game time CT or um, on who what the state playoff picture kind of looks like here. So let's just quickly run it down. Let's start with Class Double L. Right now, there are three teams that are undefeated in Class Double L. And then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams with one loss. And then you have a handful others, Greenwich, Newtown, NFA, Staples, Simsbury, Amity, sitting there with two losses. Uh, it looks like a pretty, really fun class. I mean, Hall, you have Darian, New Canaan, Shelton, Prep, Ridgefield, Norwell. It's a tough, tough class. I like this one. The thing is, you look at this. You got New Canaan, Darianne, Norwalk, Ridgefield, Trumbull. Like, they're all going to knock each other out. Like, not all of them, but a handful of them are going to get knocked out by their own conference mates. Yeah. Um, which is going to open up the door for maybe a team like Southington, who's really only game on their schedule that you're like, I don't know, it's Cheshire. You know, you look at Hamden sitting there at three and one. Yeah. You know, they have their first pretty... game of the season, by the way, to 
Owen four. Oh well, yeah, it was Owen four North Haven going in. Yeah, division division one in the SEC North Haven. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But you, know, you look at Hampton, you look at their schedule, you're like, they can win a lot of those games the rest of the way. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame on Thanksgiving, Sheehan apparently is not as bad as we thought they were. You know, they 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 went and beat the double L school in Amity. So, uh, you know, a lot of these schools are going to beat each other up and it might open up the doors for maybe Greenwich to get back in or even Newtown. If they could survive Cheshire, Shelton, you know, New Fairfield and Massac, which I think they can. It's very interesting. I mean, you even we knock NFA. I mean, NFA's got Shelton and Cheshire, but, (laughs) you know, that Shelton game obviously is a big one killingly, too. But I mean, if NFA gets it together, could they be going to the playoffs with three losses and Shelton might be on the outside looking in again? It's all possible. Yeah. Double L looks like it looks like it could be a couple three loss teams in here. I like a few. I think it was like 2015 or so or 17 or 16 where there were a few three loss teams. I think you're going to see that again. Aaron. Who do you yeah. like in this division? Who do you like right now? Do you, you know, you guys are you're going to ask for a state champion? Who do you like in this division? I, I think it's Darian until proven otherwise. Yeah. I, I think they've just dominated their opponents. Even if they lose to St. Joe's, I'm with you. Even if even if they lose to St. Joe's, they've dominated opponents. The thing is, like. I've said my piece about Hall. I've said my piece about the CCC. I don't want to rehash it, but you know, you look at New Canaan. Are you impressed? No. I'm not. I'm not. I need the defense like, has been really good for New Canaan, but yeah, I mean that they, they don't. They didn't show me. you a whole lot. You know, they could have. You know, it seems like they need to. They have some work to do at New Canaan yeah. to kind of get into the playoff mode over the next yeah, few weeks. And you, you know, you look at Shelton, Shelton's got a gauntlet, right? They got NFA, Newtown, Fairfield prep, Cheshire. Could they win all those games? Yeah. If the team that beat Greenwich shows up, you know, could, could Newtown get in, yeah. I, I, you know, and Listen, make a run? I don't know. But right now, if I'm going to pick anyone, I'm picking Darian. I yeah, think that's I'm going to go hundred percent with you on that one right now. They're the best team out there, but I would not be surprised to see somebody. It's a great class. Uh, absolutely no. great class, and there's a lot to be settled here. You know, we're going to skip over Class L, which we talked about last week, and we're going to talk to Jeff Jacobs about a little bit. But the very, very short of it is St. Joseph 5-0, and Cheney Tech, Thames River, Quinnebog also 5-0, and and then it's Maloney, Fitz, Bristol Central, Windsor, Naugatuck, Xavier at 3-2 and two with a big win. Yeah, massive Woodstock, I mean – it uh, it's a uh, it's a mess. It's only it looks like it's only going to be about four spots for all these four and one, three and two teams. It's going to be very interesting. Xavier, by the way, a huge win over Cheshire. We knocked them off a little bit. A huge win coming back from fourteen uh, seven down, weathering a little bit of a storm there. Cheshire gets the kickoff return, misses the extra point, and the and then then Xavier had to survive it. I think there was a. I think they needed a last second pickoff to win that game. Yep. So Xavier back in it here. They're only at number 11. And it's another one of these things. It's going to be four spots in double and sorry, in L, but a lot of these teams that have two losses. The season is not over yet by yes. any stretch of the imagination. And you look at, you look at, you look at what Xavier's got left Maloney. If they could beat Maloney. Yeah. Right. New Milford. They should win Notre Dame. They should win prep by the time they get to prep on a four game win streak. That could be a toss-up. And then they got Glastonbury. I mean, an eight and two Xavier team is not out of the realm of possibility, but it depends on what everyone else does ahead of them. Yeah. I, absolutely. It's a fascinating <laughs> division. Well, again, we'll talk to Jeff Jacobs about that in a little bit. 
moving over quickly to class M, you know, usually class M is just all over the place because it's that it's that like it's that redheaded stepchild division. It's not quite a small. It's not quite a large. It's not even like a, the second tier. It's right there in the in the thing. You have Granby Ken, which we, we has been really impressive so far. Killingly, which is back on the men here after having two weeks off with a big win over Stonington. And then our, our boys from Coggenchog, still 5-0. and oh. That should be fascinating. Coggenchog, by the way, plays Morgan this week, which <laughs> we'll talk about Morgan in a second. But then you have Avon, Plainville, Rockville back in it. Brantford now very much alive in the thick of things. Ellington, Torrington, Berlin, Watertown, Notre Dame, West Haven, despite being 2-3, and three, only sitting at the 12 spot here. I still like Notre Dame's chances. When you look at their schedule, Pete, I love That's Notre Dame. Chances. I love Notre Dame chances. If they can get in again, we mentioned they play Xavier. They have hand. They have Massa coming up. And then obviously the green ball against Hamden. Seven and three. I mean, a six and four might even get in this division. Yeah. And if they can get in Notre Dame being who Notre Dame is, I would pick them. Mm. I would pick. I mean, you're looking at Branford who burned me on this show two years ago. And I picked them to win M at the beginning of the year. They're sitting there at four and one. I had a friend of mine text me the other day. He's like, he's like, is Brantford not getting any love? Like, are they not good or they, they not played anyone? And like you look at it, it's like that win against Notre Dame is really impressive. And if Notre Dame continues to win, that win will look a lot look more a lot impressive. Better. They're gonna be I I like Brantford's chances of getting there. They got Brookfield, Avon, Guilford, Law, and East Haven. You know what? I think Brantford runs that one to be completely. I think they honest. can. I think nine one one of them though, but Guilford's going to be tough. You know, Avon, you know, still some things to figure out. They've only played three games. But, yeah. you know, Plainville's another one to watch out for. Rockville, which plays Granby Canton. That should be interesting in the kind of a class. And Rockville, Rockville gets Granby Canton, Coggenshock back-to-back weeks. I mean, yeah. two wins there will catapult them to the top of that. Right. So this could be another one of those divisions. Where, look, Notre Dame has got a losing record. They're in 12th. And they're ahead of a lot of three and two teams, Law, Barlow, you know, uh, Gilbert, Platek, you know, and on and on. So if you had to pick a winner, though, Pete, who are you you taking in class M? I think the safe pick is killingly right now. But can I can I I think my my crazy. What does your spidey sense tell you, Pete? (laughs) If Notre Dame could get in, Notre Dame's going to win M. Mm. I think they can. I think, and if Brantford gets in, I think Brantford could win it because until proven otherwise, the Pequot schools don't win in the playoffs. Valley Regional winning the state title is the only state title that the Pequots yeah. ever had. Okay. So if Brantford's going to go to Granby or Coggenshock or Rockville, I think I'm taking Brantford. If Notre Dame is going to any of those places, I think I'm taking Notre Dame. Pete, right I now, like, though, the safe pick is is Killingly. I like Killingly in this spot. I really like Killingly. They had they, Jack Sharp had a great game last week. He's uh, awesome. Back they were they were down seven nothing, and then just, they, I think Chad Neal wanted to get him the ball a lot more this game. I think he's been sharing a little bit. Let's give it the ball to uh, to to uh, Jack Sharp. He ran he's over. just he's he he's saving his yards. carries. He's saving his carry count for the for the tournament for the state uh, playoff yeah. run. You scored every single touchdown in that game. It was pretty great. And then finally, you have Class S. Now, uh, Class S, I think we get an idea what Class S looks like this week. When Seymour heads to Jarvis Stadium on Thursday, get your tickets now. I love saying that. But get your tickets now. Seymour and Sonia will talk a little bit more on the Pickups podcast. 
But that game is suddenly huge. And Sonia riding a, 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 a hundred game NVL win streak coming off a bye. Seymour, the only team that's ever come really that close to almost beating Antonio in 2013, one point. I think Woodland was came close within two points. And then if you remember a couple of years ago, Seymour only lost 35 to like 34 or something like, or 35 to 33 or something crazy like that. It was a close. Seymour's played Antonio tough. Is this the year they get over it? But looking at the rest of the division, Bloomfield, 5-0. and New Fairfield with a big win last week. They're 5-0. and and Sony, we talked about Cromwell Portland. I got to see them against North Brantford. Let me tell you something, Pete. They are as tough as anybody out there. Owen Brunk is a monster. And the rest of those guys, Teddy ball game, catching touchdown passes, and their quarterback looks pretty good. You know, they they use that entire first half. And maybe some people in North Brantford Manor wasn't very happy about it, but they did everything they could to kind of practice and get themselves ready. They threw a lot of touchdown passes. They they really ran that score as far as they could. And then the second half, they just let it go. But Cromwell Port, I love Owen Bronk. They look, they look great. Holy Cross, a team I saw, I think that, that could be somebody to watch out in the class sets. Ledger, 5-0. Outlaw didn't play much last week in their 8 to nothing win over uh, New London, but the defense did play great. Notre Dame Fairfield held off Weston. Rocky Hill played good. Morgan, let's just quickly, before we go on, talk quickly about Morgan, Morgan Pete was down 42 to 14 with about four and change left in the third quarter up there at Hartford at Hartford public versus SMSA final score, Pete 44 to 42. Your guy, Andrew Nye, you've been talking about him at the beginning of the season. Big guy, big, according to Morgan stats, 38 of 49 for 517 yards, five touchdowns, and three two-point conversions. And Alex Fratamico, 15 catches, 221 yards, three touchdowns. My goodness. I said it was going to be a dangerous spot for, for uh, Morgan, but because M- SMSA has played pretty well, SMSA scored 28 points in the second quarter, 14 in the third, but did not score in the first or the fourth quarters. Morgan, meanwhile, scored 30 unanswered points to win it over the final 17, 16, 17 minutes of the game. Nye's 38 completions are tied for third all-time in a single game. His 517 passing yards is seventh best all-time. And Fratamico's 15 catches are tied for 12th best all-time. Morgan Pete's 28-point rally tied them for the most all time, they are now on the same list as St. Joseph coming back and beating Bassick in 1974, Bacon Academy coming back and from a 28 point deficit and beating Wyndham in 2010, Xavier, a game I was at, Hill House beating Hill House in 2012, Wilkett coming back from a 28 point deficit to defeat Seymour in 2013, another wild game. Morgan already etching themselves into the record book with that crazy performance. Just a wild thing there. No matter how bad Morgan's been over the last few years, suddenly they are 4-1 and in 10th place. You also have Capital, your boys from Stafford, Waterbury Career, Woodland, Sheehan getting back into it. I mean, Class S looks like it's going to be, as always, Pete, a tough, tough division. Yeah, and... There's a lot of good teams. You just named 15. You throw Colin in there, 16 good teams <laughs> that can all make a run in the state tournament. 
And it is a lot of teams that are going to be left out. Surprisingly, this isn't the division that has to worry about tech schools, which is surprising. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, who do you who do you got in S though, Pete? That's the big question. Uh, I have no idea. It's so open. But if I had to pick one team right now, it's probably New Fairfield. And the yeah. reason why I pick New Fairfield is because they only play one class S. Uh, they only play two class S schools during the regular season. Yeah. They play Sheehan, who they beat, and they have Notre Dame Fairfield uh, down the road. They got. They're going to have, you know, if they could get into the playoffs. Right. That's the question, Pete. If can they could get in. Fairfield get in to crash this party and, and become a favorite. They Lyman got Massick and Newtown. They got Massick and Newtown Massick, on the schedule. Notre Dame Fairfield will put up a fight, but Massick and Newtown are the two big ones. Two losses might be enough to get you in. I mean, just looking at some of these, like, again, Notre Dame Fairfield, if they beat them, will knock them out of the running here. Or maybe because they already have one loss possible because Notre Dame Fairfield also has to play Avon foreign. I mean, I'd like to see who, I mean, Notre Dame Fairfield has been a surprising team so far looking at it, but uh, I don't know I mean, uh, who uh, made, who made Notre Dame Fairfield schedule in the SWC and oh, who made new Fairfields because new Fairfield's got Newtown and Mastic and Notre Dame Fairfield doesn't have either of them. Yeah. I don't Yeah. I don't know. It's just Seymour. I'm anxious to see what they've got. I haven't seen him yet, but I, you know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Cromwell Portland's going to win the class as at this point. Maybe they beat Ansonia. I don't know. Maybe they get him, you know, maybe they'll get him in the, I mean, they've had good teams. I, I thought we're going to beat Ansonia. Ansonia every single time is in there in the end. Ansonia hasn't been to the, uh, the state finals, you know, since, uh, since 2017, you know, that's, yeah. that's a long time for Ansonia not being in there. And they, I'm sure they hear it. They hear everybody saying this is the year Ansonia goes down. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll find out whether that's the case or not. But, you know, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> there's so much we can talk about, Pete. But with that said, let's get our uh, columnist Jeff Jacobs on here to talk a little bit about Class L. Joining us right now is our head columnist for Game Time CT, Jeff Jacobs, who's fresh off coming back from his uh, game at Norwalk. New Cannon almost, uh, sorry, Norwalk almost pulls off the upset down there. Their first win's 99. And uh, I don't know, Jeff, I, I came away really impressed with Norwalk, given the fact that they, they had half their kids there. Yeah, uh, I think over the weekend when I came away from Sean, it was after the close game between Greenwich and St. Joe's that I covered. And, and this one that you're talking about yesterday was it's pretty hard to uh, to pull them all apart. And you got to include Norwalk in that talk. I mean, they may not be number one, but. When you start asking about, hey, does Norwalk belong there? Does Trumbull belong there? Does Shelton belong there? Where does Greenwich fit in? Uh, uh, New Canaan, of course. Norwalk is in that, you know, three, four, five, six con conversation. And they just didn't, you know, kind of uh, uh, hit a, a shooting star there off the schedule or anything. So I was really impressed by that. But they, they were – two things I walked away from was they were clearly – hit by the COVID bug, three or four guys that play an awful lot were not there, led by uh, my son Pollard, who was a safety, and Justin Oliver had to a, had a move back there, and two, two long passes, one a touchdown pass, one that set up the other touchdown, were on his side as they stayed away from Cam Edwards. Uh, uh, Cam Edwards is a better defensive player than I thought. I already knew he was maybe the best offensive player, probably the best offensive player, but he is a really good defensive player. And the other thing I I, I came uh, came away from, like I said, was that no walks for real in, in, in this conversation. Yeah, I think that's a great – that's not a – 
you know, you take away, you know, a bunch of players, a bunch of good players, and they still are in that game. I mean, it looked like even when you think like, well, here comes Norwalk, they're going to they're gonna lay down here, or maybe this is the time where New Canaan pulls away. They didn't. They came right back. That touchdown uh, pass was a thing of beauty, and then they had a chance to win that game late. So uh, I thought that was fascinating. I, You know, they're at seventh in the class double L standings, and, you know, you look at their <laughs> schedule the rest of the way. Bridgeport Central, the Staples game is pretty big, but – then you have Darian and Wilton and McMahon, Staples and Wilton. I don't know about Darian. We'll, we'll take their shots against Darian. Darian, you know, it's just the FCAC is just, it's going to be a lot of fun. As we discussed earlier, we're going to be a lot of fun the rest of the way. Just your thoughts on the FCAC. I know people from around the state might like get a little tired of FCAC, FCAC every year. Well, this year, <laughs> let me tell you, folks, I've seen the games. Uh, FCAC is really good. And you see a game like Darian versus and NFA, it, w- it was quite frankly embarrassing. It was 42 nothing in the second quarter. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, NFA might be a top 20 team in the state. Uh, and uh, they just blew them away. And then you, and I, it just when you think Darien might be a really good, I mean, they are really good, but number one, clearly, you know, Wilton gave them a scare, a big scare. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's wild. So it, there's a, a bunch of games, but as we were talking about the, uh, the COVID Sean, mm. uh, I, like I wrote today, one, probably the most under publicized or underrated part of the whole thing is that yes, there are postponements and cancellations and, you know, rescheduling kind of dynamics that are tough, but the teams are also playing on with losing, you know, a number of players. Uh, I know East Hartford did against Hall at the beginning of the year. And now yesterday with all those players, they won out and, uh, and, uh, and gave it their all, but they, they, you know, uh, they would have liked to had their whole team there yesterday. And uh, so you, you move the schedule around a few days here, a few days, but they got, like we were talking about before the, uh, before the podcast, you got to get them in, but it is a factor. Yeah. Certainly a factor. And, and, you know, I don't begrudge New Canaan for not wanting to move that game. I mean, you know, at some point you got to be like, look, COVID's a part of this thing. You know, yeah. COVID's out. It's like having a kid, you know, with turf toe or, you know, a kid with a knee injury. You can't go. You just can't go. Or a concussion. That's kind of like how we got to look at this thing. And, you know, yeah, we, we don't like COVID as much as anyone else. But, like, this is a part of it. And there's only so many games left. And if you got to get your game in, you got to get it in. You can't, you know, push it unless you really – both teams can – can do it because what if New Canaan needs to postpone a game? You can't just fill that spot up if you guys can get it in. If you can get it in, man, you got to get it in. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I'm just saying that when we look back in retrospect, we'll see certain games may canceled or moved around or get picking one game and not playing another. And then you, when you did play, yeah. uh, you weren't ready. I'm just saying that yeah. the players missing are as, are as much as part of the dynamic yep. as a game not being played and stuff, but it's hard to, it's, you know, it, it, as far as finger pointing is concerned, it's tough to know when kids were sloppy on it or just unfortunate because they have to go into school yep. and, you know, it, it's easier with an NBA team that's traveling that, you know, to get a set of rules, but when they're going to school and there's so many kids on a football team, it's not as easy, but <laughs> they were missing their head coach Norwalk, uh, 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 the other day. So, you know, the assistant coaches stepped in and did their best. So it's uh, even now, man, you, we just can't seem to under, you know, I, I declared uh, COVID the uh, state champion last year in all four classes and they, they, they are not, COVID is not ready to retire yet. Yeah. It's still, it's still wreaking havoc. Class L Jeff, 
is a mess. There are only four teams undefeated teams left. St. Joseph five and zero, and the next other three four five and zero teams, sorry, are undefeated teams are Cheney Tech, Thames River, Quinnebog, three Tech school co-ops. It's like the Sesame Street game. One of these things is not like the other. Now it's like one of these three things are not like the other in Class L. Your thoughts on this division? It's kind of uh, suspect. Just knowing that no tech school program, be it co-op or otherwise, has ever won a state playoff game. Uh, and in L, that's a whole different thing than talking about S. Right. Part, part of me wants all three of them to make it just so it'll force it to explode because three tech schools making the class L playoffs. Frankly, it's a joke. And I don't, you know, I rode the bus with the, with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, Quinnebog uh, Valley boys out to ATI. Some of those kids live in Plainfield. You know what I mean? They're, they're quasi neighbors of mine. You know what I mean? So, and they play as hard as any, any school, but it's just not, it's not fair to the teams that don't make it in class L and it's not fair to them to set them up to get blown away. A, a tech school has never won a playoff game, let an SRM. So let, let alone an L and you're going to, and how about, I'm going to give you a few nightmare scenarios. First of all, it is it will be caused by one each beating the other. So three of them make nine and one. And at that point, there's an excellent chance of all three making them. Yeah. So now you're knocking out potentially teams like Windsor and, you know, on and on. Uh, and um, then you have what happens if they finish fourth and fifth in the seating? One of them has to win. And then they're playing St. Joseph's probably in the class L state semifinals. Yeah. That's wild. That's, that's just, that's, I just don't want to think about that. The semis. You you mentioned like the two philosophies. I, I'm I'm last week on your podcast. I'm thinking that you're talking about one is just tech schools, you know, being placed in, in something like that. And the other, of course, is that they. The other part is they pl- only play themselves. Right. So we have and juggling around the numbers. If they all finish nine to one, they're going to be tied with in points. Yeah. Because they will have beaten all the same teams and lost once to each other so they're going to be they're going to be tied so how are you going to break a three-way tie amongst them when they all played each other you know you know you know and they're going to pick up points they don't lose there's five class m schools in the tech league you don't lose points when you play within your league so that's uh, 50 points that they would have lost if if they were out out of the league they keep them and uh and they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get the uh, all the bonus points from you know at least, maybe one eighteen eight or whatever that breaks eight nine ten wins from within each other and then look at uh, Prince they have a good they're two and three right now but they're pretty they're decent within the league they could they could win seven games and at that point they will have only beaten teams like ATI O'Brien you know uh, uh, Wilcox and on the other hand you have St. Joe's, which is a school of choice, so we could just argue that they should be in class double L, but still they're playing eight double L schools. Cheshire's playing seven, and uh, Maloney's playing seven. <laughs> you look at it. My, my huge argument is that, one, if you don't join the alliance and stay within yourself, and this goes for the NVL teams in the class L, and class S also, you are in your own Petri dish, and you're picking up 
all the all the numbers are only within your own little world, while the rest of while the other leagues are are mixing it uh, mixing it up. Right. And so they all all those leagues tend to when you add it all up, it all it all moves to five hundred and all those points that you get. Here's the issue. So why would you join the alliance if they're going to set you up with games that uh, you know you might not win? You know, and the, oh well, we'll give you these. But if you're the CTC and you're in that spot, you want to go to the playoffs. Why would you join the alliance? We're fine here. When I was taught, that's a that's the problem. And the alliance is optional. And I'm saying when I talk about the two philosophies, is the CIC has a one way of figuring out who belongs in the state playoffs, and then the leagues and everything else, the alliance, it's a mess trying to figure out who plays who to get into the state playoffs. They don't mesh. So, you know, and that's what's got to change. And, uh, you know, you got to have teams. If you're going to be playing for a certain playoff division, you got to have at least some sort of a similar schedule somehow. And that's my point. They, 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 use, the, they use the baseline of enrollment. Right. And, and enrollment, it, it, it sounds good to people that don't know what's going on, but the St. Joseph student, is not the same as the Ellis Tech student. St. Joseph's is kids go there to play football. Yeah. I mean, they go there for an edu- excellent education, but they also go there for for 100%. football. Where a lot of the and it's real people have really got to appreciate a lot of these tech school kids. They're already apprenticing for people. Yeah, they're going to be the they're going to be plumbers and electricians and people that we pay like a hundred dollars an hour to do stuff. Yeah. That, they're going to make bank. Yeah, do. they got a great, great career. Going. But, but you talk to they're already on that road, you know, so they're, they're not they're not thinking I want to play even D3 football or basketball or, you know, a college scholarship and things like that. So they're it, they're not all one and the same. So I I. I cannot my, my heart, Sean, endorse the six conference uh, playoff format without knowing what how the six are going to break down. Right. I, I feel strongly that, that the tech schools got to be pulled down on their own, you know, and maybe the, 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 the weakest class S schools over a three-year period can, you know, can, can have a choice to play with them in that league or something. So, cause yeah. you don't want, you know, cause Ansonia, Bloomfield, New Fairfield, they'd beat these teams. Let's be honest. They already have. So, uh, you know, so you got to go down to the Oxfords and, uh, you know, uh, uh, teams like that. Uh, maybe they want to play in, in, a, in a league like that or a form of a co-op. And then I still, at the highest level, I want to hear the best arguments about, like, how, we, how the top division ought to fall. Because I'd like St. Joe's to be in that. Yeah. And whether it's a 16 team or 12 team playoff, then obviously if you're going an extra week, you got to look at the Thanksgiving. So before you do that, you got to change holistically. Yeah. But in the meantime, you got to pull these uh, um, uh, tech schools uh, away. Do you have a feel? We know they couldn't beat the top M and class S top S playoff schools. And there, could they beat the eighth best M is not great this year. S is actually, I thought it was deeper. Do you think they could, could those three teams that are, you know, qualifying class L, could they beat any of the S or M qualifiers? I'm not talking about in Sony. I'm talking about the number eight team in, in either S or M. Uh, yeah. If, yeah. If uh, they could, if Plainfield gets in. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I'm looking at class M. I don't see a team in class M that they could le- legitimately beat. 
Rockville, Brantford, East Ellington, Torrington, Berlin, Watertown. Those are all pretty good programs in that division. Notre Dame, West Haven. Notre Dame, West Haven. In Law, class S, Seymour, Bloomfield, New Fairfield, Ansonia, Cromwell, Portland, Holy Cross, Ledger. Not a chance. So right. it's it's not even a question of L. Like, L is absurd that they're there. Right. And it's not even a question of that. The closest a team has ever gone is Bullard Haven, which had a, some great athletes go there in 2017. They only lost to Stafford Summers uh, 20 to 12. That was in 2017. Um, you know, and then Stafford advanced to play Ansonia, and they lost 52 to 19. So I kind of told you where Stafford was. But that same year, I'll give you, you want to talk about St. Joseph being in the same class as them? St. Joseph, 62. O'Brien Tech, nothing. That game was over in the first quarter. So there, that's a little sneak preview for anybody who thinks right. that maybe the, the, they'll the, have a shot. And that's not most, even a – go ahead. The most depressing uh, game I've been at uh, in high school in recent years was the uh, Killingly Cheney Tech game. It was like a whole lot, like 50 to nothing or something at halftime. And Jack Cochran was filling in at the time, helping Killingly. He was packing up and left at halftime. You go, I go, why are you, why are you leaving, Jack? And he goes – I've seen enough, haven't you? I said, now I got to stick around and cover it. But I went down the field and talked to Chad Neal. And the, this is before they got their uh, their uh, turf. The the field was just looked like a cow pasture in the rain, and I, and it was just the worst game ever. And I said, boy, this is not good. Tech schools. This is Class M playoffs now. Killing is good, granted, but this is Class M. And you go like, this is not right. So this is that. That's why I said, part of me wants all three of them to make it, just so we can. Uh, and, and be four and five, just so they can see the absurdity of it. And maybe they will move uh, on something like that. And it, 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 it's hard when it happens once in a class S, but it hits, if it hits certain schools that are big enough and powerful enough around the state. That may be the agent for change that simply must happen. Yeah, I think no. I mean, I think we need something drastic to happen. And this might be it. But I pulled up the St. Joe's O'Brien tech story uh, that uh, Sean mentioned oh, yeah. on, on our website. And here's just a couple little things. It took St. Joe's nine plays to score their first touchdown. Then they scored six touchdowns on their next 11 plays. <laughs> and this is what Obr then coach at O'Brien Tech, Nick Apria, said. Uh, it was such a unique thing at halftime where we're, we're, we talked in there trailing 55 nothing, and the kids were having fun and joking. We came here with 32 kids. They had a million. Uh, we knew what we were going to be in for. Everyone in Connecticut knew we were going to be in for. But what we accomplished this year is nothing short of remarkable. To get here in this stage in seven years, playing one of the top programs in the entire state, our kids learned something. Yeah. All of that's great. Right. St. Joe's doesn't have a million kids. That's, the whole thing. that's great. But playing them, yeah. No, but what I'm saying is they're happy with just getting there. Yeah. They're and happy with just having a plate at the table. And that uh, it, that just doesn't sit well with me. Like, yeah. In in, I was going to say, in talking with the commissioner of the of the tech schools, that was his sentiment exactly. As long as you let us in, we're happy. It's up to us to get better. So that if that's their stance, then somebody else that's running the larger thing, the CIAC, various boards, committees, have got to say, we appreciate that. You're just not good enough to play the this this lit in this class or that class they've it's someone else is going to have to step in because they're they're not interested to this point in playing anybody outside techs and they're not interested in uh you know giving up anything they, they right. just getting there they feel is 
is good enough. And it's, it, in that itself, if, if their argument is that this is an accomplishment that our boys, you know, did. Well, someone's got to say the equity of the competition yeah. for the playoffs is so drastically absurd. Right. We appreciate that. The but bottom that's- line, Jeff, I think is if they're going to do it this way, you're going to play in class L, then you need to play some actual class L teams out in order to prove yourself that you belong in the class L playoffs. And that's just not talking about the tech schools. That's across the board. I've been saying that I don't know, all year. And I think that's the disconnect. What, what you can't be playing, you know, a, use a point system to get into a playoff and you're not playing everybody. And they're treated like, the yeah, same. we saw that you with do. Newtown. We, we've seen right. it with Newtown the last decade. They're the only double L school in the SWC. They have a right. great regular season record. They lose in the first round. You know, then they start playing other double L schools across the state and they won a playoff game. Then the next year they won two playoff games and won the state championship. It's right there. The proof is in the proof is in the pudding. We know what to do. We just have to do it. And we need to get the CTC. If like you said, Sean, if you're going to play in the class L playoffs, you have to play. More than half your schedule should be L teams. I, I, it just it has right. to. Be. You, you, the alliance is a good start, and you appreciate what they're doing in this regard. You appreciate what Al Carbone is doing. They're actually trying to make equitable schedules, but the alliance just doesn't go far enough. And right now, it's an optional thing. And I'm saying it shouldn't be optional. It should be more of a state thing. That's my take on the whole. Shebang. And if then you, when we get there, we get rid of the conferences. Right. Agreed. Jeff, final thoughts on this. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. It, it it really is bad. I mean, sometimes you think that like sometimes we're, if we're nitpicking or something, this isn't a nitpick. This is so obvious. And when we see start seeing, you know, what have some hand runs? In, you know, they're two and three right now. They're gone. I can't see a scenario nope. where hand makes the playoffs. But what happens? If they run the table and they can't. Their schedule is not. They play all the, the rough stuff. I think first, if they finish seven and three and they're out. Cheshire, uh, Cheshire schedule is Cheshire schedule versus uh, the tech school schedule is such a joke comparing them. Cheshire's got teams. They'll be lucky to finish five and five, right? Right. Cheshire. Yes. Yeah. Six and four, five and five. They could six be four and, four and six. Might be a good realistic spot right now. Yeah. Right. They could go four and six and blow out all three teams uh, yep. by, fi- by 50 points. Well, if right those now, tech though, schools weren't in there, I'll just say this much. If those techs, those three tech programs weren't in there, Hand would actually still have a decent shot at getting in, just given all the other chaos. Because there's Xavier, you have Naugatuck, you have Windsor. I mean, they they wouldn't be in a good spot, but they would at least have some hope that someone would finish seven and three as well, and they can go seven and three. And maybe the, those the, those alliance schools that you know that the, the alliance people, Al Carbone and the rest, of brag about, and they're really they're really fun to watch. Those tech schools are just sitting back there going laughing going yeah go ahead and play each other get get, get <laughs> beat the heck out of each other we'll we'll, ha- we'll have o'brien on the schedule next week all three of us right now just quickly if you're if right now just looking at class l if out of the eight teams who should be the most mad oh, uh well right at this moment when at this moment I, no, I, I, I got one for you wilton no, the only team that should be mad in Class L right now is Bristol Central because they have to go to St. Joe's and everyone else gets a tech school. <laughs> if it ended today, if it ended today, oh, obviously it's not going to end that way. I mean, but I'm if you look, look at I'm it, just, I'm just looking at Wilton's schedule. I mean, like they just gave Darian a run for the money and they got New Cannon, Ridgefield, 
Ward, Norwalk, and then Poprog to finish. All right. But, you know, Ridgefield, New Canaan, and Norwalk, and uh, they got to qualify with that schedule where Quinnebog has got to play Bullard, Kobe, Northwest United, O'Brien, Tech, Cheney, Ticket, Thames River. That, my friends, is fundamentally what the problem is. Anyway, that was a good discussion on that. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's some change there. And if they all get in, maybe that, that does it. But adding more teams to the playoffs and then calling it a day, that's not the answer either. CIC. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Great insight as always. We'll talk to you next week. Joining us is the head football coach at St. Joseph High School. It's Joe Delavecchia coming off his big 24 to 20 win over Greenwich last week. Joe, how you doing? How's the how the uh, how the tape look uh, after Saturday's uh, narrow victory? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> you the look tape. Good. The tape looked good. We still won. Uh, we we still found a lot of mistakes that we'll have to clean up, but uh, we we still won the game, so we're really happy about that. You know, Pete was talking to me. He's like, he was looking at your stats from the week, and you know, we went into the season. We don't know who you only have one guy back. You guys probably would have won it all last year. Oh no, you know what do they got? How are they gonna do? They're back in L. And you guys were like scoring. You score like most of your points in the first quarter. You just put teams away the first few weeks and then you go into Greenwich. I don't know. Did you think the kids might've thought they were, they were going to take care of Greenwich too, or, you know, or, or this, or what happened there? Well, I don't think anything happened. I mean, Greenwich is really, really good. Yeah. I don't, I, I saw them against Ridgefield and uh, I certainly made the mistake of leaving in the third quarter um, thinking, you know, I thought they were the best team I've seen in, in quite some time. You know, they're big physical uh, strong, fast. They had, they had it all. And, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't disappoint when they played us too. They're just, you know, they, they, they have it all. Um, you know, they got the ball first, uh, and it, it was, you know, they had a long drive, I think, to open up the game if I remember correctly, but, uh, we, you know, in our second play, we threw an interception. So they got the ball right back. And, uh, so we didn't have the ball much in the first quarter. You know, and, and, and we were going into it. It was a pretty stiff wind up there. It was tough to to throw going one way. So we ran the ball quite a bit uh, to, to when we got the ball our second time and until the quarter changed. Yeah, that stat was uh, 45% of your total points heading into Saturday you had scored in the first quarter. 28, 14, 14 to 21, I think, was in your first four games. Quick, punching teams in the face, and then they usually submiss. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. You know, Greenwich went up first, first time you guys trailed all year. Was there any, like, nerves at all on the sideline? Like, uh-oh. Because, I look, I'll be honest with you. I was roaming the other sideline because I like to get the fans in the back. And I was like, huh, I wonder how St. Joe's is going to respond here to trailing for the first time in maybe three years. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if anybody knew we were every, we didn't trail all year. I didn't know that. Well, then no one's following me on Twitter then. <laughs> They don't look at it. They try not to look at it. I'm just coaching. I don't watch Twitter during the game. Um, you know, get it up on the big screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, to be honest with you, Peter, we were trying not to score in the first quarter. That percent was skewing our numbers. We wanted to balance. The <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah. look, uh, we 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 you, we we knew um, they were going to score on us. We knew that they. Uh, uh, had, had a, you know, they're a strong team, uh, you know, falling behind. That's, a, you know, I think we probably were behind a couple of scrimmages, who knows, but uh, 
you know, we, we, we talk about it all the time, getting punched in the face and, and uh, not flinching and just, you know, responding to a turnover or score like that. You know, we have to uh, try to duplicate what they was just done to us. And uh, we did that, you know, we came right back down and scored on the next drive, I think. So, uh, you know, our, our, our kids uh, didn't let it affect them. What does this say about, I mean, I guess the real thing here is uh, you guys were in a dog fight with Greenwich, good team. Uh, meanwhile, Norwalk without a bunch of kids because they had to sit out because of COVID protocols, they're out. They they give New Cannon a run. Wilton's fighting back and forth with Darian. Um, just your league just looks like it's as good as it's ever been, or maybe just everyone, maybe when everyone else is not nearly as good, but the competitiveness of the FSAC is just at a level that I haven't seen in a long time. What do you think of what you think is the cause of that? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer. I might, you know, I didn't know what we were like going in. I still don't know what we're all about, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I do know, and I'm sure everybody's feeling the same thing. We haven't played in a year. So the competitiveness, I think, uh, the kids on all teams are really giving everything they got. You know, I told my kids after the game, I mean, they competed like crazy uh, against uh, that Greenwich team. We had guys were going down. We, we lost probably four or five guys during the game with cramps and other things. Uh, and we started the game without two of our starters. So, uh, it, it, you know, guys just came in and competed. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're, I think they're – Happy to be out there on the field, everybody across the state. Well, tell us about your guys, Joe. I mean, tell, you, you basically, you know, Maxwell Warren was the only guy you had coming back from a team that, frankly, if you'd if we'd played last year, like we probably should have a full schedule, we're probably going to win it all. We weren't going to play a full schedule anyway, so that's all that was going to be out the window. But it was it was a team that, in the hypothetical 2020 world, would probably would have won it all. Um, you know, now you have this week. You're you're in you're in L. What did you you know? What was does what does tell us about what you what you thought going in at least well i mean we we lost four kids that we thought would start at receiver for us to transfers to start the year mm. so we kind of converted some kids around you know maxwell p defensive back for us so he was going to play part-time receiver now he became our guy uh we, we lost the other three kids we're playing a sophomore at wide receiver. We're playing a, a junior, uh, Brandon Hutchison, who never played football in his life until this year. Um, we took another corner, um, Brandon Aurora, and he's playing another receiver for us. So that's where we filled in those guys. We lost a kid that we thought was going to be uh, our starting running back, or at least do a lot of the half of it. And we lost Tyler Tatora for the season. Uh, she had surgery and, uh, you know, we went there. We have a left tackle who never played football in his life before until this year. So he's so, you know, we, we're mixing guys around trying to figure out what we really have offensively. And uh, the only thing that we did know was that Matt was probably going to be our quarterback uh, coming Matt back. Morrissey. Experience either. So uh, offensively, we had we didn't know what to expect. You know, we know we had guys that were going to compete. We know they had we had some good athletes, uh, but they're they're all playing it for the first time on that side of the ball. Uh, even Riley Jordan, who's our running back now, last year in the abbreviated season that we had, he played uh, strong safety for us. Yeah. So we moved him over because we lost uh, Tort. So it gets kind of crazy there. Yeah, you know? a lot of this heading into this season about St. Joe's was, you know, they're not big up front. Um, yeah. What have you guys done to 
either put that to bed or, you know, kind of if you guys are small up front, I mean, look, everyone looks bigger than I do. Um, but, uh, you know, what have you guys done to, um, you know, work through that to, to, I mean, you guys are scoring, you guys are running the ball well, so it's obviously not hurting the team right now. Yeah. We are small up front. Um, but I, I just think the schemes that we use and, and, uh, you know, kids follow the rules and they follow their technique. And, and uh, I think it's an overall understanding of the concepts that we do. Uh, you know, we talk about leverage a lot. And, and uh, you know, like I said, you're playing Greenwich and those kids, the, their four, front fours are all twice as big as any one of the kids that we had. And, uh, you know, just playing tough and, and being mentally tough the entire time and knowing you're going to win some battles, you're going to lose some of them, but keeping your path and keeping your angles and, and knowing your assignment is half the battle, you know, and, and I think we've been doing a great job of, uh, of really doing that. You know, we've made some mistakes, you know, granted we've made a lot of mistakes, but uh, I think for the most part, you know, our, our kids know what their rules are and responsibilities. And, and uh, you know, there's, we do a lot of schemes that they're, they're calling a lot of blocking schemes themselves. And then, uh, you know, they're, we have to drill them and drill them and drill them over, especially if the, you know, a young group like that, uh, but they're doing a great job. I mean, even our, I mean, you must be at least pleasantly surprised at the way you guys were able to come out and just kind of blow everyone's doors off, at least to start the season. I mean, maybe that doesn't say anything about the long term. I mean, obviously, on Saturday, you see, like, you're right in there with, you know, when you face a top team. But you must have been like, wow, okay, I must be a good coach or something like that. I don't know about that. Um, I do know that our, our kids play hard. Uh, you know, I told them after the game Saturday, like I said, they play hard all the time, and, and that's half the battle is uh, believing, that, believing that you're good. If you believe that you're good, that, that, that overcomes a lot. Hmm. Um, I, I think we'd be 5-0 at this point. You know, probably not. Um, you know, we still got a long way to go. We, we've got, you know, Richfield this week. So, um, you know. Doesn't get any easier after that. Yeah, Deary. We have, you know, you got trumbled on the road. So we have those three games, you know, we, we've, we've got to win one of them, I think, to, to make sure we qualify for a playoff. So um, it's it's not getting easier. It's going to be tougher. And uh, we're just going to have to keep grinding and keep working harder. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, when you looked at your schedule, were you looking like, oh, this run is going to be really hard for yeah. us? Or, or do you not look ahead? Because, like, you know, looking at some team schedules, you're like, oh, that's a cakewalk. Oh, you know, all of a sudden you got three games in a row, four, five, you count Windsor, Xavier, you know, all of a sudden it's a five game swing and you're like, Oh, hopefully we make it out of this alive. Yeah. You know, in the beginning when the first schedule first came out, you were kind of looking at, it, and it was last year it came out. So it kind of got bumped this year. And, uh, you know, last year he said, okay, we're going to be good and, and that's fine. We're going to compete with it. And then this year, you know, I understand why we got the schedule and who we're playing and it's, it's fine. It is what it is. Um, you, you know, I, I, we love it. I mean, I, it's great to play all the great teams. Uh, it's a lot more fun play, playing games and blowing teams out by 50. Um, you know, and the, the ultimate goal at the end is where the problem comes in and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens by the end of the year with that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, before I get into you know, asking about Ridgefield, yeah, you, you look at that, uh, you know, it's you are up there at number one in, cl in the class L standings and like you're one of four undefeated teams and the other three are Quinnebog, Thames River and uh, what was the other one and Cheney Tech. Now, I know you've been in a similar spot with the tech schools and 
you know, we all agree that they should be playing uh, football. And but there was a time I remember back 10 years ago, you guys were like in a dogfight for the last playoff spot with Tyler Matikiewicz in class double S. It was a touch and go whether you're going to be able to make it or not. Um, it one slip up and you guys were done, you know, wh- and now you're looking at the kind of a same similar similar spot. You guys are in a good spot, but there are a lot of great teams. I mean, Xavier's in there and you have a lot of other great teams down the road and L and what's going on? <laughs> what do we got to do here, coach? Well, I know it's, uh, we, we, uh, we control what we're, whether we're in or not, you know, we, we, um, like I said, we, we, we've got to win out or win. I think if we win one of those three bigger ones, uh, we, we should be okay. Um, but you know, who knows? I mean, but you know, we control what, what our destiny right now. So that, that's a good thing. You know, it's in right. our control. Uh, if it comes out the other way that we don't control it anymore and we're sitting on the outside, well then, you know, you know, the system's flawed. Uh, you know, the, the, um, certainly the PowerPoints is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of or seen. Before. Oh, the new you know, thing. Yeah. Because, you know, you're talking about a Greenwich team. So we, you know, you, we play though they're worse. So say they go eight and two Greenwich, you know, we'll get 40 extra points for playing them. And, uh, whoever plays one of those other teams that might go undefeated, they, they're going to get 50 extra points. So they get, they're still saying that team's better than Greenwich. Right. You know, which I find hard to imagine anybody. Uh, there's not too many teams better than them. No, no, 100%. I mean, I, you know, you know I, I've gone well, That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I've gone over 100 million times. If, if everyone's going to be playing for the same playoff spot, they should be playing similar schedules, at least. Uh, no question. If you yeah, if you're playing Greenwich, all right, maybe NFA doesn't have to play Greenwich, but they should be playing school, you know, not NFA, but you know, if they're going to be teams in L, let's say Fitch, and they do, they're playing like you know, they're playing. That's I guess that's the thing with the Alliance. They're trying to do that, but I guess my problem with the Alliance is they, it seems kind of like random who they give you, and they kind of send you all over the place, and then there could be a lot of problems with that. I don't know how you feel about how the Alliance goes, but you guys have been. Given some pretty tough games, like you said, not that you don't like that, but where's who's getting what? Like, as, are we all balanced here? Are we all getting the same schedule? I don't know if you you believe that. Um, well, no, that there's, there's nobody's getting the same schedule, right? There's very few teams that like you know. Uh, some, there are some teams that have really difficult ones. There's some that have cakewalks. Um, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, you know, uh, even even within league play, you know, teams are in leagues and not playing each other and things like that. I mean, right. if we're if we're gonna do this, this this go regional with everything and uh, forget the leagues. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. You know, this alliance stuff is um, to me, it's just not now. It's nice it sets up some good matches, but there's some ridiculous ones like New Fearfield going to Fitch. You know. Right. Because, you know, on paper, great game. It's probably a great game there by, you know, reading the score and stuff like that. But, you know, new fear for, I don't even know if they get back yet. I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely interesting. And and you see it across, you know, a lot of other sports, like, you know, just took the FCAC, you know, hockey, they're going, they've, they've moved away from their traditional schedule. Division one teams will not play division three teams anymore in hockey, which is awesome for the sport of hockey, but now it makes it okay. Well, does the FCAC league even matter? Like, what's the point of having the league now? And I feel like football should look at going in a direction like that. Now, can you put 16 teams in the playoffs in a division one in football? I have no idea. I don't get paid enough to 
to make those decisions. But I think if we can create a league of just the best teams and the best programs in the state on a year-to-year basis, that's going to be the best football we're going to have. Um, yeah, I got mixed feelings about that, you know, because, you know, it's great for great football, regular season and everything like that. But when you get into the playoffs, now you're creating what I'm gathering. You're talking about the super conference or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You've got a champion, but you're also going to crown three other champions that are like they do in hockey and basketball, right? Yeah, so, are they champions? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, right, you're saying like Tom Brockett says the same thing, like, why should the lower ones be diminished? That's kind of like what you're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, and, and I'll use this. I know we get bashed for everything for all that great recruiting that we do, and <laughs> you know, mine is so much bigger you and guys, powerful. Guys, how about UConn, huh? Can you guys yeah, help out UConn? UConn. <laughs> Listen, you know, we, we, we get what we get. Um, but, you know, we played hand, uh, was it two years ago? We bumped up to L. And, um, you know, there was an M champion, which was great, you know, for, for uh, Weston and um, happy for them and those guys. And But in reality, you know, Weston won a championship, hand didn't. Who's better? Right. You know, and I'm not taking anything away from Weston. I'm not taking anything away from hand and uh, or saying that we shouldn't have played hand because it was a great game. And, and uh, it's just certainly, you know, I, we, you know, we don't have a problem with where we're going. But you, to me, you're stealing something from somebody else. Right. At that point, you know, uh, where the year before that we played in Sonia, one of the uh, one of the greatest high school football games, first state championship ever. And that year going in, I said, we'll go up, move up a class because I know everybody's, you know, going to go crazy about St. Joe's and S. And they said, no, it's strictly by enrollment. And then lo and behold, the next year we're up in M. Yeah. (laughs) The new rule came out. And, uh, you know, I don't have the right answer for it or anything like that. But uh, right. There's no great way to do it. I guess that's the way. There are no easy answers. Right. There are no no easy answers. There's no way to say there's no way to categorize everybody. And, and there's, you know, you have, I always like the way to kind of do it where you, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of do it by a power thing. You, you, you know, you do it as with a class, but also with maybe, you know, what your team's roster size or I don't know how to do it. I really don't know. It's, there's no great way to do it. I mean, class is the only way you can do it where you can actually quantify something, but then you have some issues with the co-ops, you know, they're, they're combined, you know, uh, enrollment now rivals like New Britain or something like that, or, you know, it just becomes a mess. And, you know, it's just, and are they really yeah. a class L school in that regard? If they only get like two kids from like Ellis Tech or something like roster that? size, like the CCC does. Right. I don't yeah, know. The the roster size, going. you know, look at fluctuates. I have 65 kids on my team. Uh, you know, if I'm a smart guy and, and I don't want to play in double L, I cut 40 of them. Right. You know, I put 25 on a roster. Okay, where am I now? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's easy to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we keep every kid. We have, we really you think about our program. We have 22 kids on our freshman team right now. And next year, out of those 22, we'll have between 18 and 22 come back. They just stay with the program, whether they ever play or not, you know, is irrelevant. They just stay. Our right. kids just stay with the program and, and um, we, have, we have, you know, about 20 kids per class that are usually there. And uh, we were lucky that way that the kids enjoy being on the team and doing all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so it's not a good way to do it then. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I could, you know, they were, you know, you address 75. Okay. Well, we bring up some freshmen and stuff, put them in the uniform to, 
let him experience it. But that, you know, I, I could yeah. put 20 crosses like anybody else could do it, you right. know, because in reality, we play 25 to 30 kids in a varsity game. And, um, you know, we, I have a different philosophy than everybody out there. You know, we play as many kids as possible. Um, you know, most teams play their best 11, 12 kids. You know, we try to play the best 22 kids and, and uh, you know, for a small school and, you know, yeah, okay, we recruit everybody. We get everybody from all over and the best players from every town and let the crap go. Uh, but we just coach them up. We coach up who we have. And, uh, you know, they're not the best 11 out there. They're the best 22. And uh, we make them. I, th I, th I like to think that our coaches do a good job of making them a little bit better. Well, the track record certainly speaks for itself. Yeah. Regard, huh? <laughs> you know, what is it? Six, seven state championships in the last eight, you know, what is it, 11 years or something crazy like that. And, uh, Joe, just talking about this run, actually. Remember, it was just, I remember, and I would think about this one season. You, you were so close in 2005. You're, you know, you had that postponed game at Dolling Field in the slop against Trumbull, which was going to the state playoffs. And yeah. your guys gave it at all in that game. And I remember how crushed you guys were because you lost. It was a close game. Trumbull was supposed to kill you. And it was almost like, is St. Joe ever going to get to the state playoffs? It's ever going to happen for you. And now you look back, now you look back at it and you're like collected trophies. It's unbelievable. I don't know uh, what the question know, is, but I'm just like observing it. <laughs> yeah, reflecting back, I mean, you know, we've come close a few times and, and um, for whatever reason we didn't get there and, and it wasn't for lack of effort by our kids for sure. Um, I think the biggest change was uh, was after the 2006 season. Um, I, I went full time to the spread. I was back and forth with it, and and I devoted full time to going to platoon. Uh, we were didn't have enough kids. We were gassed, and in the second half, that's when we were losing games because you know we just didn't have enough. We didn't have the numbers. We didn't have the the. the ability to sustain for 48 minutes. So I just decided we're going to go to platoon with the best 22 kids that we have out there. And it was, I thought it was better to have a kid that was average playing one spot than having him average at two spots, you know, so then I could take one kid and make him from average to good at one of those spots. And that's kind of been the philosophy is taking the, the average kid, making him good, making the good kid great and taking the great kid and making him a superstar at one spot. And, and, uh, you know, we really worked hard on it and that, that kind of took off. The only kid that played both ways was Tyler, um, his junior and senior year. And then he was hurt, of course, most of his senior year. And then Pat Mulligan played um, two ways, um, but that was pretty much it. And then, you know, a handful of guys here and there would, would, would do it or we'd spot people, but that was the big change uh, when we went to that two platoon and yeah. we didn't have the numbers that we have now. And, 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 uh, but we probably had more talented kids, but we didn't have the numbers and, and, and it worked, you know, it worked. We made guys like our defensive linemen. They never played off. They have no idea what offense is <laughs> and uh, vice versa with the old guys. So that's what we've gone to. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm never going to change it because it's been successful. Well, well you know, it's funny, Go ahead. Sean, Sean, you know, for Sean, it was a long time coming for St. Joe's to, to make the playoffs in this covering it. This is my seventh season, eighth, if you include last year, which didn't happen. I've only seen St. Joe's win. St. Joe's, I've covered seven state playoffs in my career. St. Joe's has been in the finals in six of those years. The first state title I covered was 2013 over Brookfield in the snow. And I remember going up to you, coach, and, you know, I guess 
I had never covered a state title game before. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to ask this guy, but I got to ask something because I don't want to be the guy who's just stealing answers. And I was like, where does this, you know, where does this one rank in your career? This one's got to be pretty special. And you looked at me deadpan and you're like, well, I won a state championship with my son. So uh, that one's probably up there, but this one's close. (laughs) And I'm like, this guy is going to hate me if I stick around. Uh, I have that on tape. I swear to God, I have that on tape somewhere. I got to look for it. It was like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to ask him. I've never met him before because I was working in Trumbull at the time. I was just, you know, we, everyone in the company was covering finals to help out. And I had never seen St. Joe's and you guys blew the doors off for Brookfield. And I'm like, I'm going to ask a question. And then you gave me like this answer. And I was like, Pete, that was a really dumb question. (laughs) I remember that. Oh my God. Uh, Don't be feel bad. I get that question a lot. Oh, I know. Now I feel like I ask you that now every time is a joke. I don't know if you catch on to it, but it, it means we're getting old, Joe. That's what it means. I mean, I mean, you're, yeah. you're definitely older than I am, but we're definitely getting old. Oh, 58 today. Oh, oh happy God. birthday. Hey. Hey. And I just well, thank God you guys won on Saturday. I just yeah, well, you know, it's funny because the last time we played Greenwich on my birthday down there, um, I, I think I was. I don't remember if it was my 40th birthday. Let me think about this. Yeah, my 40th birthday, we played. It was Steve Young night. It was the first night. I think they got lights or whatever, and we brought autograph football for him to autograph, and he didn't show up. And uh, <laughs> we took the opening drive. We had the ball for 10 minutes and three seconds, and we came away with a field goal, and uh, that was about our highlight for the night. <laughs> God, oh, my goodness. Coach, oh. you're, a, you're a Yankee fan, correct? Yes. Yes. So, like – you know, I don't know if you if you knew this. Uh, Aaron Boone was in attendance at Saturday's game. Do you yes, think you impressed him with your coaching abilities? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he didn't come over and say anything. <laughs> I thought he'd give me a pat on the back or ask me to help him out with the. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you were like auditioning. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was looking for a job. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I, I listen. I can I can sit in that dugout and help him out. I. Uh, I have a lot to offer in baseball, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're screaming at your TV a lot. Uh, just, just Joe, before we kind of uh, – a couple of things here. Number one, uh, how's Ty Matikevich? How's he been? I mean, we see him on TV. Here. You know, the Bills are playing great. I mean, I can't believe he's been in the year six-something years. Uh, in the league yeah. six-something years. It's unbelievable. But, uh, you know, you must talk to him a lot, yeah? Yeah, he's on tonight, obviously. Um, but I do t- – I do, uh, communicate with them a lot during the season. Actually, I'll see them next week uh, during their bye week because uh, one of our former players, Nick Azim, is getting married next week. So uh, oh, wow. he's coming yeah. down for the wedding on Saturday. So uh, that'll be nice to see him again and his family. Um, although his father was at our game Saturday. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but we keep in touch. And he's doing well, and he loves it, and he loves Buffalo, and uh, he loves everything about it. So, uh, you know, good for him. Did Nick Azima uh, schedule a wedding for the bye? Is that how that worked out? So <laughs> it is a crazy story. So when his wedding was scheduled, we had changed our game with Ridgefield to the bye week. So it was supposed to be played two weeks ago. Um, they had the field problems or whatever, and they changed us back to this week, which um, let's not get into that. We were playing this week, and the reason it was scheduled this week because Nick is marrying uh, 
girl, Brittany Batten, and her brother, Matt, is plays for the San Diego organization, and they wanted to wait in case he got called up if they were a playoff team, and San Diego ended up not making it and everything. But So kind of a long, crazy story, but uh, it's all Matt Batten's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's but, uh, great. So anyway, um, that's, that's this weekend. Um, just – and then, you know, obviously you guys, like you said, you're not, not – uh, you, you have a long way to go here and you got a really big yeah. game against Ray. You don't want to look too much at Darian already, but this stretch of games is like basically your season defined defining season right here. I would Absolutely. Think. You know, we, before the Greenwich game, I had told them, I said, this is pro- this is the biggest game of our season right now with these guys. And if we win that game, the Richfield game is the biggest game of our <laughs> right now, because we don't have any room for error. Um, you know, and, and it just gets, you know, Richfield's good too. I mean, they're yeah. all, good. you know, there's no weaknesses in teams out there. And then, uh, you know, we have, it's just tough. We have a short week, you know, we play Saturday. It was a physical, physical game. I mean, I mean, Pete, you were there. It was just, a, that was an incredible high school football game and uh, incredible competition and sportsmanship. And, you know, the, the place was packed. I mean, it was just a great atmosphere. Now we got to go, try to replicate that Friday night up there. Yeah. And that's going to be tough. And then you got to turn right around and you got to prepare for the number one team in the state. And you yeah. Know, and they're probably like, <laughs> look in their wounds. They got, they got pushed to the limit too. So this stretch of FCAC games, I, I'm trying to think of, of what it's, I mean, maybe 2009 when they were like back and forth games every week and it was like Greenwich and Darian and, oh, it's just crazy. But um, this, I haven't heard anything like it. It's, it's, it's must be a lot of fun if you're not a coach. You know, it, it is fun as a coach. Um, you know, I said after the game, you know, so my wife was like a big sigh of relief. And I said, what's the matter? My kids were telling me, oh, my God, mom was so stressed out. And I said, well, that was fun. That was really fun to be in. And, and uh, you know, that's what you play for. You know, you want to play the best team and go after it and see where you stack up and see how it falls. You know, the you, it, game over at halftime is not fun. You know, because then what do you do? You score another touchdown, you're a jerk, or, you right. know, you get your kids in the game, they're a quarterback, they want to throw the ball, you know, they want to do stuff, and, you know, you keep playing your game, or and then they're running clock. I, that's the dumbest rule I've ever seen. And, you know, um, so, you know, there was, you know, 48 minutes of football, and, and the it- game, end of the game, the last play, and, and um, you know, you saw it on the field, the emotion, the, 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 the emotion of the winners, the emotion of the losers. I mean, it was just laid out there, um, you know, and, and that's what we, you know, that's why you do it. Yeah. Your fan section. Cause I I've been at a lot of games at St. Joe's that have been over at halftime and I've left at halftime, but which I enjoy cause I get to go somewhere else. But <laughs> you know, when, um, when Dallas had the pick, when you, you know, it was like, Oh, there, here's the, the game's over now. Cause Dallas ripped the ball right out of his hands. Obviously, it didn't turn out to be the end of the game, but like the response from your sideline and the fan, like that was crazy. I don't think I've seen that at St. Joe's my entire career. Again, it's only been seven years, but that game, that close, that emotion, that reaction on the sideline was just wild. I mean, that was exciting. Like, even I was on the Greenwich side, the sigh of, oh no, to the, you know, uh, elation on the other side was just, it was, it was a crazy environment. Yeah, no, sir. It wasn't. That, that, that play was like, that's what the doctor ordered. We needed that. <laughs> you know, we needed something because 
I'm not sure we were going to hold them out of the end zone at that point. I mean, it was, you know, we needed a big play and, and uh, you know, here's a kid, he's a sophomore, makes the play. And, uh, you know, I thought he was going to go to the house and, uh, you know, I think he got excited. He didn't know if he should go down or keep running or what. <laughs> well, coach, uh, here's the more of that. I mean, I think the bottom line here is like, no matter what, I think it's just glad everyone's just glad to be back playing football again. We're, you know, after last year was just nightmare and, just glad to be out there. You feel bad for all those kids who didn't get to play. Maybe you guys, you know, collect another trophy, but at least we're back now. And, and, you know, everything seems to be running smooth. We had a little bit of a hiccup here, but I think, you know, I think the gloom and doom scenarios look like kind of not uh, coming to fruition. So I think we're going to get a full season here without really much trouble. Oh, we hope so. Cause this has been, this has been the best thing for kids. You see being in back in school, you know, sitting here when you're in class with your full, you have a full class every day. Um, just those kids being able to talk to each other and talk to their teachers and, and, um, you, you know, we're, we're you know, like, I'm here at Stratford High and talking to the kids about their sports and, and, um, you know, they go to a lot of games during the weekend talking about our game and, and it's just nice to be kids to be themselves again and be able to do it stuff, what they want to do. And, and, uh, you know, we, it, we, it's hurt the last two years, I think, and it's affected an awful lot of people. So it's just great to be back out. Absolutely. So, all right, well, we'll let you go. We got a meeting to get to ourselves. So, uh, but we appreciate you joining us a little bit here. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you, coach. Thank coach, you. Good Lots luck of fun as usual. It's always a pleasure having you on. And I always got, yeah, we'll see. Of, we'll see you again soon. I was got time out of Kevich over there jumping over Montreal Dobbs to remind me of all the great St. Joe games I've covered over the years. So, uh, you know. <laughs> well, we had them all on the sideline, uh, except for Tyler, but most of the guys were back uh, this past week in there. Our sideline was full of guys. So. Well, you know, we had our, our 80 baseball team was inducted to the Hall of Fame on Friday night. So nice. guys, we had 40 years. And uh, so it was a lot of fun. A lot of those guys were back for the first time uh, seeing us play. And, uh, you know, we went out afterwards and we had a ball. Yeah. yeah I have many clips of uh, every time I go to your place. It's always alumni central there. And even Ty, even Ty shows up when he can. You know, on yeah. the sidelines, hanging out like nothing's nothing. Good stuff. Anyway, coach, we'll see you very soon. We got a game this week and they got a game next week. So we'll see you very soon, but I appreciate coming on and give us a little time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thanks, coach. So Pete, that was Joe Delavecchia. And, uh, well, I mean, what can you, what can you say? I love having Joe on and, uh, you know, there's it, it, having covered this sport in this state for the last 20 years and seeing what has happened with St. Joe and how they've kind of, Come kind of gone from a lovable team. Everyone's kind of rooting for, you know, to, to maybe make a run. Now they're like the evil empire. It's really funny uh, to see, Sage, but he's done an amazing job there. Um, and, you know, that big, that was a big win over Greenwich this, this week. Yeah. Joe is Joe's always great in an interview, whether it's uh, after a win, which is it most of the time, at least in my career, like I was saying on the interview with Joe's first championship game I ever covered. Uh, you know, but even after a loss, you know, Joe, 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 he's just a great interview. He's a lot of fun and, um, they're just so good. I mean, they are, I was not surprised with the way that they reacted when they went down late in the third, but, uh, if they would have folded up and went home, I would have been like, all right, like this team has never been down. This group has never been down before, but they rallied back. They showed me a lot in that game coming back and, you know, Morrissey's the, you know, Matt Morrissey's the real deal under center. That kid is just a, an amazing athlete. Uh, Max Warren, who got banged up in that game, hopefully he comes back, you know, but they, you know, they were giving him the ball out of the backfield. 
And in the backfield, you got Riley Jordan, who's good. You know, Brandon Hutchinson, who's never played football until this season, looks really good out there. They just, they could just, they just got guys. They got dudes. You know, we didn't do Pete. We didn't uh, pick. Uh, we think we're going to win Class L in our big discussion with Jake. And uh, uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, St. Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Right now, I have a hard time seeing any of those teams. All right, well, here's a here's a harder pick, Sean. Out of the three play? tech school, well, out of the three tech schools, who is the one that goes ten and up? That's a great question, Pete. Uh, that's a really good question. Let me uh, let me quickly take a look here. Um, It all comes down to that Thames River, uh, Quinnebog Valley Thanksgiving Day game, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, all three will play each other. Those those two obviously go, play on Thanksgiving. I'm going to go with Quinnebog Valley. I still think you think you think Quinnebog will beat Cheney and Thames River in back to back weeks or back to back games? It's a tough call, but yes. Yeah. See, I'm going to go a little different here. I'm going to go with Thames River. One, I just love the name of that team, <laughs> like named after the river. I just think that's so cool. That we we should uh, there should be some more of those in they don't do that in hockey in football like they do in hockey. Yeah, they need they need enough of this. I'm sick of this cog and chug, you know, East Hampton. Just let's let's find a name, man. Yeah, let's find a name like Northwest United. Just <laughs> that's we, we got to get out of here. But Northwest United, uh, you know, that should be the Gilbert team. Sorry, Jen, but. Gil, I know she she grabbed it, but the Gilbert that, that was a missed opportunity. You guys, you should be the Berkshire. You should be the Berkshire, uh, right? Yeah, should, should be the Berkshire, Berkshire All Star team. The Berkshire All Stars. Yeah. great name. I mean, yeah, could you imagine though? United, but but be, could you imagine being the fan group or like the cheerleaders at Cogginchog? C O G I N C H A U G H A L E R A Y E A S T H A M P T O N. Cock and Chuck Hail Ray, he's captain. How about Coventry? What's Coventry? Oh, God, I don't even want to do that. The fact that I spell all of that was impressive enough for me. It's going to be a real fun week this week. Let's get out of here. This has been the meat grinder. I'm Sean Patrick Bully, Pete Guaga. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Love you.